When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Nottingham Forest will be looking to build on their win against Aston Villa when they travel to West Ham on Sunday in the final game before the latest international break. We'll discuss tactics and team selection as normal, as well as take some of your questions at the end in the company of, first of all, Reds fan Emily Anderson. Emily, good to have you with us again. Are you well? Very good, thank you. Morning, Matt. You okay? I'm good. I'm good. And back with us after a little absence due to moving house for what I think is like the 10th time in 10 years or something he was saying is Arthur. Yeah, good, good morning. How are you? Morning. I'm all right. Boxes everywhere. Let's go. Good. Uh, well, I do like the decor behind you. If there's boxes everywhere, this is if this is the one corner of the house that's that's looking. I, I, that's why I'm here because this is the one corner of the house that is almost done. <laughs> and some of my Blu-rays and some of my books are still conveniently left in a box. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. I can imagine. Right. Uh, good to have lots of people with us already. Uh, Jiminy. I'm going to say Jimmy then. Uh, Jiminy, Michael, Audrey, Ollie, Pete. Uh, Tara, DJ Tone UK, some of these YouTube names. Uh, good to have you all with us. Anyway, so Forest West v West Ham on Sunday. It's quite, it feels like an interesting bracket of games now coming up, Emily, but starting with West Ham. Just on this one in particular, how are you feeling about it? Really confident. Yeah, I think we're, st- we're all still riding from that wave on Sunday. And on Sunday, we saw glimpses of a team that is really starting to click. Um, so going into Sunday's game against West Ham, I feel like we could get something. We can't forget the awful fixture. It was earlier this year, but last season, when we were nil-nil until about the 70th minute and imploded and ended up losing 4-0 at West Ham. Um, I can't see that happening this time around. We're an entirely different team. I had a look at the starting lineup from then, and the only player that's likely to start on Sunday from that team is Morgan Gibbs-White. And, and that says a lot, really, doesn't it, as to how our team has evolved. So, yeah, I'm full of confidence. Um, it's an away game, so I'd be more than happy with a point. But actually, I think we could push for all three. West Ham are having a bit of a tricky time at the moment. They've lost their last three Premier League games. They only won one in seven. They've got a European game tonight, so hopefully they'll be tired. So I feel like this game could be for the taking. Yes, I wonder if Evangelos Maranakis might have a word with uh, these Olympiacos players and say leave a few tackles <laughs> in a little bit late tonight on one or two mm. of these. Um, as Emily said there, Asha, three defeats in a row for West Ham gives some cause for optimism. But similarly, you know, they've won at Brighton, they uh, drew with Newcastle, they, I think they pushed Man City hard as well. So obviously they're no mugs, but some confidence we can take from the weekend as well. 
Yeah, the no mugs. I mean, if you watch the game against Brent, Brentford, I mean, they basically missed an open goal to make it 3-1 mm. when Antonio and uh, Ben Rama got in each other's way. But yeah, I mean, go, just going off uh, or getting the kind of temperature of, of their fan base, I think they're, a lot of them are labelling it a must-win. It always seems like whenever you you know you turn to West Ham, they have a good run, and then you turn back and have a look at them, and they're in crisis again, and they don't they don't want Moyes, you know, which it feels like it's going back towards that. Like Emily said, you know, they're not doing great in the league, um, but there's definitely a lot of um, uh, ire for Moyes, you know, and his perceived lack of sort of inaction on the touchline or whatever. So. It could be, it could be the, the, you know, that pressure on West Ham that could be what makes the difference. And, and obviously, us coming out of such a great performance against Villa, it, it could be a good one. It could be one where you could actually take all three. And just before we get into our teams, um, we, you know, we've all picked a lineup as normal. Just in general, Emily, the next is it five? Yeah, five fixtures coming up: West Ham, Brighton, Everton, Fulham, Wolves. Four of those teams are probably the sides we're hopefully competing with in West Ham, Everton, Fulham and Wolves. Only the Everton games at home of those those matches. But is it a bit of a yardstick of where we're at, do you think, coming up? Yeah, I think that, you know, pre the Villa game, obviously the panic button was starting to be pressed. But actually, if you look at what we, you know, our first six or seven games, we weren't thinking we were going to get much out of that anyway. But actually, yeah, you're right. These next five or so games... I think will really show us where we are in the Premier League. And, and hearing those those teams read out, Matt, there's no reason why we can't get something out of all of those. And it'd be so forest of us, wouldn't it, to probably mess up against Everton at home and get something out of all the other games. We saw off Brighton last season, so why can't we do it again? I know that's obviously the away fixture. Um, I, 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 you know, people say that I'm too positive, but actually, what? why not? Because we are in a great position at the moment. We just need to build on that win on Sunday. And I feel like this is almost like our springboard. This is this is where we really get going. And as Steve Cooper said on Sunday, we're going to have bad games. We're going to have good games. Um, at the moment, we're very much mid-table and mid-table teams tend to lose more games than they win. So panic if we don't get something out of some of those games. Um, but why not? We should be getting at least a few wins out of those, I would suggest, even though they're away from home. Is there, I wouldn't say extra importance on the game, Arsha, but it would be a typical Forest, it feels like, for us to beat Villa and play really well and then not drop against West Ham. But if we can go to West Ham and perform, maybe not win, but maybe get a draw, it would feel like continuing that new dawn and this evolution that we're seeing under Steve Cooper again. Yeah, but also the evolution of the way we're playing away. You know, I think we're 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 really sort of making a good account of ourselves away at the moment. Obviously, you know, not Liverpool game aside, but you know, the games previous to that, you know, there, there has been a bit of a shift in mentality. If anything, it's it was the pressure before this Villa game. It was the pressure of the home games that seemed to be getting a bit, you know, on top of the players. But and then just going back to the game on Sunday. You know, I know you guys have talked about it already, but you know, it's it's such a important thing. The atmosphere, you know, it's simple as good atmosphere, good result. And you know, I've been to the games previous, and I couldn't make the Villa game, and I was really like, I was watching it, and I was like, ah, oh. it was one of those where you're like, oh, I wish I was there. Look, they've really cranked it up. But you know, just going back to the West Ham game, it could be a good time to play them. 
I know we always say this, these are all the kind of cliches that we throw out and, and they end up being sort of commentators, pundits, curses. But I mean, just looking at them as well, that game against Brentford, they, they were missing, you know, two of their more important players. You know, Alvarez and Paquetar weren't playing and they're back, you know, they're back tonight again against Olympiacos, but obviously they'll be back on Sunday. And I really like their midfield. Like uh, the thing that's impressed me about West Ham is their recruitment. Like aside from maybe the likes of Skamaka, what is Mohamed Kudus doing at a place like West Ham? I couldn't believe when I saw that signing and also Alvarez as well. Like I mean, it must be a Premier League factor. There's a sort of Premier League kind of tax or whatever, you know, where players are willing to kind of, you know, look over a stature of a team or whatever. But those, those two, man. But we see they, that with they, us though, don't we? Yeah, it's exactly. Really I, yeah, I saw, as soon as I said that, I thought that. But that's what it is. That's what's, that's what's happening in the Premier League. You're getting these tiers now where the bigger teams, they don't want to go out and sign these players straight away, even though they've got their eye on them. They're quite happy to sort of let the middling teams and the lower middle teams sign them up, you know, and see how they adapt to the Premier League. And then they'll just come like a Liverpool or a Man City or Arsenal. They'll, they'll sign Kudus, you know, mm. in like a season or two. You know, of course they will. Mm. Um, let's look at some teams then. We'll start with Arshers because it's probably the least contentious and the one I think most people will go with. And then we'll come to Emily's and I've done an alternative one. So I'll put Arshers up on the screen as ever. And then uh, I shall read it out for those who are listening, not watching uh, on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, it's basically unchanged. Vlokodomos in goal, back four of Aina, Niakate, Murillo and Toffolo. Uh, Mangala, Sangai, Dominguez in midfield. <coughs> Excuse me. And then that front three of Gibbs White, Awanyi and Ilanga. I mean, Arsha, was there any temptation to make any changes? I suppose Serge Aurier is a very senior player who's missed out in the last game, but or did did really does it pick itself on the back of such a good performance against Villa? I think there's got to come a point where a winning team has to have a bit of consistency and has to have another, you know, another game, surely. Um but I mean, Steve Cooper himself, he's, he's talked about it and what, you know, the stuff we've heard as well. You know, he, he wants to go to a back four, you know, and then some sort of a combination of a two in front of that possibly, or, you know, or like it is now a sort of three, but it's very fluid. But it definitely feels like at some stage, and, you know, you were talking about the fixture run that we've got coming up. I think at some stage you've got it. It can't be as simple. I know we've talked about this before. It can't be as simple as we go away and we play three at the back we come back home and we, you know, we play this four, you know, I'm sure the players are, are you know, adept at doing that, you know, and if, if that's what's um, asked of them, they'll, they'll be able to carry it out. But just from what we saw against Villa, I, I, everywhere, you know, along the pitch, you know, I mean, obviously everybody knows how I felt about Matt Turner. So to see, to see um, Vlacodimos in goal and, and be solid and not really be tested really. That was quite encouraging. And also just his presence, you know, I, I felt, you know, I just felt more secure with him. It's, it's no, I, I'm trying not to be disrespectful to Matt Turner, but, you know, there, there's there's just something about like a Demos. He's, you know, I don't know if it's his short sleeves. I love a goalkeeper that wears short sleeves. I mean, they're bonkers anyway, but in winter when you're wearing short sleeves, a goalie, love it. Um, but then across, you know, that midfield three is really starting to, you know, I don't want to say gel, but you know that 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 kind of con the connections are, are deepening. It seems like 
Dominguez, such an... Uh, I mean, I watch, obviously, I say it every week, I watch a lot of Serie A, and I didn't necessarily see this box-to-box player when, when you'd watch Bologna games or you'd see uh, bits of him. I never really saw him be as box-to-box as he is now, but he's just... He's, he's got an engine, hasn't he? You know, and you add that to Sangare, who, you know, he had a he had a better game, I thought, against Villa. Um, I know a lot of their fans were sort of like, oh, who's that number six? He's really good. But again, he's starting to, to find his feet, I think. And then what can you say about Oral Mangala? Like, is there, it's, you come on here all the time and I feel like you have to reserve a little thing where you have to give him a shout out because he is sort of, he's so quickly becoming a, an important player. He's so tidy with the ball. Then you've got Taiwo back, you know, who, who again, I think he just, the team just looks different with him up there. Does it? He's this maypole that everyone sort of dances around and it's just, mm. he's got, but also you, it's that kind of dormant threat he's got. You know, if, he's, if he gets a few yards, he's, he's going. That, that mm. goal against Manchester United is obviously a case in point. But obviously he looked a little bit rusty. So he, he'll sort of come back into it, I think. And another another player I'd like to kind of shout out is Toffolo. Mm. Two assists, yeah, on paper, that's great. But it was the other stuff he did off off the ball. He was so solid. And he's another one where you sort of like when you see his name in the team, then you're like, okay. But he has really, really been impressive. You know, mm. and I, obviously Olain on the other side. Murillo and Niacate, you know, that looks like a good connection. Uh, Niacate sort of back to his best, not making strange decisions. Thought everything he did um, that game was was solid. So that's that would be the case to to keep this team and also go into a West Ham team that isn't is in sort of inverted commas crisis. Why not? Mm. So Arsh has made the point very eloquently there to keep an unchanged team, and I think lots of people in the comments agree pretty much pretty broadly. So let's bring up Emily's team, which of course is slightly different, but I think there's there's a merit and logic behind it. But I'll let Emily explain it after I read it out. Uh, Vlacodemos in goal, back three of Niakate, Willy Bolly coming back into the side with Murillo as the third centre back, Ainer and Toflo as wing backs, familiar midfield three, Mangare, uh, Mangare, Mangala, Sangare, and Dominguez, and then uh, Gibbs White in support of Taiwo Owonyi. So uh, obviously, the uh, you know, Ilanga out, Bolly in for more security, Emily, mm. I guess is the thinking there. Talk us through it. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to start by saying, Arsha, you've totally um, swayed me. So I don't know why I'm even going through my team. Your argument was gorgeous, <laughs> eloquently put, and I agree with all of the above. But um, shall I just be different and wind yeah, up some different. people? <laughs> yeah, I'll be different. Um, just big shout out to Blacodemos. What a fantastic debut at home to Villa. So, of course, he retains the, the shirt in goal. Um, Yes, in an ideal world, I'd love to go unchanged, but because I panic and I worry, um, I'm sure Steve Cooper won't go with this, but I I panicked and thought, actually, we need to make sure we're really defensively sound away from home. I didn't want to make the same mistakes that we did against Liverpool, where we were caught on the break. So I've gone for a back three with, um, obviously, Ina and Toflo on each side. Bolly's was really unfortunate, obviously, to miss out against Villa. But as Arsha so eloquently put, Niakate and Murillo are really starting to find a rhythm together, aren't they? And I was particularly impressed with Niakate at the weekend. Um, Toffolo, 
is a player that I think was originally probably bought as a bit of a in case we go down type of signing and we didn't think we'd ever see him as a starter in a Premier League for, uh, Forest team but actually he has bided his time he's got a great attitude and he thoroughly deserves to be playing in that left back role the midfield three stays the same thank god Steve Cooper didn't listen to me and put Yates in to start he stuck with that three because Sangare had probably his best game for me in a Forest shirt at the weekend and then Awanyi and Gibbs White kind of speak for themselves, really. Yeah, Awanyi's not quite up to full fitness, is he? But you know that um, you know that we're doing okay if we've got him up top, and there's always a chance that either we could break or he'll uh, muscle his way through and ping one in the back of the net, hopefully. Well, I did do this podcast yesterday with Seb Hutchinson, which is really good. I think he's great. Uh, people should check it out. And we were discussing Taiwo about. I mean, he just feels the key to the whole thing because mm. I don't think we can play. I feel like we play at 80% of what we can be with Chris Wood in the side, which is no disrespect to Chris Wood. I've become a, a fan of his this season for what he brings, but he has limitations, doesn't he, Emily? He just can't do what Taiwo can. Yeah, and Taiwo, for me, is, is unique. There isn't anyone quite like him at the moment, even in, in the Premier League. His his stature, his his runs, he's fast. Because he's so big, you'd expect him to be a bit cumbersome, as we saw when he first started. He might seem slow, but he's not. He's quick. He's great on the ball. He can push defenders off the ball. Um, so for me, having him in the team just gives us that edge. And it must be terrifying for the opposition's defenders having to go up against him. He's a bit of a throwback archer, isn't he? I was just thinking when Emily was talking, you know, the kind of Drogba's type type striker that all work the channels, pin defenders. Now strikers are all playing the lines of the 18-yard box like Haaland, Nunes to an extent, Watkins now at Villa. Taiwo's a a, a unique and interesting word for Emily in a way, and I can see what she's saying there. Yeah, I mean, he isn't his... I think his hero is Drogba. Mm. There's a little video that they did um the forest uh, channel that they put out um and i think he named didier drogba as his his idol and i can see you know you can see that it's it's a it's almost like a perfect blend of all the things that emily has, has said you know it's that pace it's there's the strength it's but but also it's another thing that i like about him is his he can he's a bit um, he's unpredictable He's not someone who you know exactly what he's going to do because sometimes he doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. And I think that that's starting to be harnessed in a positive way now. You know, if you're, if you're going up against him and you're not sure, you know, that he's got a spinning volley in him and then he shows you a spinning volley and he scored, it's, it's, it's that goal against Southampton. Do you remember it? It was just, yeah. oh, I, I didn't see that coming. I, I sort of thought, oh, you know, I don't know what he's going to do. And the athleticism and the kind of like elegance he showed to do that, I was like, wow, that's another thing you can you can give him. You know, he really is uh, starting to show that in a in a Premier League season where there's not actually that many standout strikers, I don't know what it is. It seems to be a world thing. Strikers seem to be dying out. You know, it, it doesn't seem it's you know with all this. Well, I guess you could you could uh, trace that back to all this kind of. Uh, the trend and the kind of everyone wanting a false nine, you know, because Pep did it or whatever, you know, that was obviously going to pay off uh, later on down the line because you've got all these youngsters, the ones who are playing now, they're all they're all used to watching false nines and, and you know, 
being a striker that that drops in deep. You know, I like my strikers. I play strike. You know, I play it for. I, I want to be in the box. I want to be up there. You want to be that outlet. You know, it's no use if you're sort of dropping deep all the time. But working the channels is obviously an important thing, and that seems to be a, a dying art as well. Mm. But yeah, when it comes to like old school, I think he's old school and and then some. Mm. Uh, there are over 300 people with us uh, this morning, which is great. So here's a big uh, unwieldy animation saying, please like oh, and subscribe great. if you can. Yes. That was great. That was that a was real terrible. screen filler. Love <laughs> it. I keep searching for the small ones on Google, but I can never find them. No, big, bigger is better. Bigger is better. <laughs> uh, yeah, do like and subscribe. Do help us out with iTunes reviews, etc., etc. Uh Right, I'll put my team up. I was going to say about Emily's. I can see merit in it. Although I would name an unchanged team, when Ash was talking about the crowd, the unrest, you know, being nil-nil after 70 minutes and really annoying the West Ham fans wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there, Emily, in that sense. I'll just point out one thing, though, because that you said about uh, Serge, possibly, for, for, Ola, for Ola Aina. That, that is an argument, I think. You know, I know he scored the goal. But there were a few occasions where I thought Luca Dina got inside of him pretty easily. So I don't know if, but that's, you know, you're sort of uh, basing that on the fact that you, you might think Serge is d defensively more sound. But I'm not sure there is a lot between those two. Um, no. My only worry with Serge at the weekend, and it was my friend I was with, um, sort of said to me, just look at him. He's not tracking back, and Serge wasn't tracking back when he came on, and we cannot be doing that against West Ham. We can't be doing that against Bowen and Ward Prowse and the likes and Kudus. So, it's, mm. uh, yeah, Aina just gets the nod ahead of him because of uh, that. Dini was really cheating there, wasn't he? He wasn't playing left back. He was pushed so high up the mm. field. Yeah, he was inverting, inverting as well, and he was sort of left Aina on a few occasions uh, alone. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Villa's formation was mental. Uh, Pete makes a good point here. Being nil after 70 minutes isn't the best thing against West Ham. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that is true. Right, well, we'll go through my lineup, and then uh, after that, we'll take some questions. Um, I'll give people a cue to drop some questions in if you've got any, and we'll field them for maybe 10 minutes or so, so we're not uh, shortchanging people, because there's not so much to discuss for this game, I don't think. So here's an alternative lineup from me. Not the team I pick, but it's something to consider. Um Lekodomos in goal, um, Ainania, Kati, Murillo, Toflo back for all the same. Then Mangala and Sangare sitting. And then a slightly kind of narrow box midfield with Dominguez and bringing in Danilo. Uh, and then Gibbs White in support of a one knee. So it would be Danilo for, Mang uh, for Elanga. But I think maybe Danilo offering that kind of protection uh, in midfield. But also he can run in behind. So he's sort of a bit of a hybrid midfielder. Um, and, you know, I suppose, Emily, Danilo, we can't forget, he's such a class player. He had a slow start to the season, but we've seen how good he is. I mean, even if he doesn't start this game, he's such mm. a great option off the bench for the next few weeks, isn't he? How lucky are we that when you look at how he ended last season, that now he he's he's, he's kind of a luxury player that we, we can bring in. And... It was really nice to see him get some minutes on Sunday, actually, and he did he did well, so that's great. I really like that formation, Matt. I, I like the idea of having those three, and then, yeah, like you say, Danilo can sort of help help if needed, and then at, at going attacking-wise, he can he can help Gibbs White. No, I really like that. Mm. Uh, any thoughts, Arsha? Is it yeah? Is it one maybe not even for this game, but it's something that could be used in in future away games or home games, I guess. 
Yeah, I like. I mean, obviously, that's a kind of midfield that um, would suffocate uh, most, you know, mm. and and get quite congested. I guess it just depends on on who you play. With West Ham, remember that they play uh, Ben Rama, and and there's always the Bowen factor um, out wide, and then you've got Kudus who can play pretty much anywhere. Like he he can be for for Ajax, he's played up front. You know, he's uh, he's scored. Uh, goals, you know, playing up front and, and playing behind a striker. He's also played in the middle of the pitch, you know, so he's someone who can drift around. But if you look at the way West Ham play, it is, they're not a pressing team, first off. You know, they're, they're not a team that's going to, you know, come out uh, and be on the front foot. But they are up there. I think they're possibly even top when it comes to interceptions. So, you know, you've got a midfield that doesn't necessarily press, but they're busy. But if you look at the way they play, it is it's sort of predicated on them getting crosses into the into the box. So with a, the only thing I would say with that kind of a formation is, <laughs> in terms of a matchup, you know, you'd have sort of you'd be pulling a lot of players out of, out wide, and it, you know, to sort of go up against very very uh, athletic players. Um, so yeah, just just something to to think about. But yeah, I mean, but that midfield, you know, when you've got Alvarez sitting behind them, and you've got someone like James Ward-Prowse, you know, they win a lot of free kicks on counter. They play like us, you know. They they're very comfortable on the counter. They they'll give you the ball. They're not you know especially bothered about that. It's because they back themselves to be defensively sound. But then when they do go on the counter, you've got someone like Antonio, who's very good at holding the ball up. Well, you know, we, we didn't necessarily see that when he was with us. He was pretty much an out-and-out -out winger. And there's that great picture. Who was it against? Was it against Rotherham, that amazing picture? Where it's like about yeah. the, whole team, the whole team is marking Antonio. Mm. That's a, that was a great image. But for them, he is, a, he is an old... You want to talk about old school? He is old school. Mm. He's the guy they lump it to, to hold it up, mm. and they get the wingers, you know, sort of bombing on uh, uh, past him. So, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting. I've, I've lost my train of thought. It'll be interesting. <laughs> well, it's proved, proved quite popular with people in the comments, more so than I thought. Um, yeah, mm. I think it's one to, one to consider. I mean, if Forrest want to give me a job, then I'd certainly be interested. If it's maybe not picking the team, because that would mean I was manager and Steve Cooper wasn't, and that would be an absolute disaster. But, uh, yeah, it's something to consider. Right. Uh, we'll do another 10 minutes or so, maybe 15 max. So if people have got questions, drop them in. We'll try and rattle through as many as we can and keep our answers pretty brief uh, if we get lots. Uh, there's actually a convenient one that's come in. Uh, Lee's jumped the gun, but it's quite a good question. So we'll kick off with this one while people drop them in. Uh, would you make MGW permanent captain now? I can't see Worrell, Yatesy or Aurier being regular starters. It was something we didn't really pick up on Monday, Emily, around Morgan getting the armband in what was his 50th appearance for the club already. Uh, what do you think about that as a prospect? I really like it. I completely forgot to mention it on Monday. I thought it helped him raise his game. And you could see just he, yeah, he elevated his game as, as a captain. And he's a great servant for the club already. I can't believe he's only played 50 games. It feels like we've he's been with us forever. Um, and yeah, you're right. I guess Worrell and Yates are very unlikely starters now. Um, Aurier did all right with the armband, but... No, do you know what? I see him as a future club captain, Gibbs White, if if he stays with us, because he's got all the attributes we want and he just seems to live and breathe Forest. 
I don't know if anyone saw his Instagram post this morning, but he, he put no place like home. And I just thought, oh, he's he clearly loves it here, doesn't he? And yeah, I, I think he did great. And I think you give him that responsibility. He's clearly got a great relationship with Steve Cooper. Um, and I think he can he can do wonders. So yeah, I'm fully on board with Gibbs White as captain. He likes being the man as well, Archer, doesn't he? I think. Yeah, I mean, the only sort of caveat I would add to that is uh, body language. If he's going to be the leader, if he's going to be the captain, which I'm not against, I, d I don't want to see him throwing up his arms a lot. You know, and it's, I, I understand his frustration because he's looking for players to be almost as good as him, you know, with their, with their uh, passing or whatever. But just that. That's all. Just even give it some of the cliche, you know, clapping your hands and, and touching your head, you know, telling everyone focus, you know, give, give, give us some of that, even though it's kind of rote and it seems to be what every captain defaults to, you know, the kind of come on, lads, that kind of thing. Get, just just give it a little bit of that. You know, you can throw your arms up now and again at, at being, you know, disgusted yeah. by someone's. Don't go, don't go full Bruno right. Fernandez. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, that's, that's, he's a really good example. Man. It's a really good example. Don't don't do that because you know it will slowly kind of filter. But no, he he could absolutely be a captain. Uh, keep the questions coming. Uh, what did you have for breakfast? Uh, nothing. I rarely eat breakfast. I don't know if I don't suppose the other guys want to weigh in on that one. Um, Matthew asks the Norwich signing. Where is he? Uh, Omobamadeli is well training, trying to get into the team, but he just can't get in the team at the moment. I mean, where's he? Where does he fit when you've got? Where would he be? Fourth, fifth choice centre back, but I do think he's a big prospect for the future and next season we'll see more of him. What do you think? Just is this isn't a question, so just I'll ask it really briefly because I want to get through other people's questions. But what do you think about the Brazilian Nino signing, Emily? That sounds very likely from Fluminense, another centre half. Are you on board? Do we need him? But I, I bet Arsha knows more about. Yeah, I'm sure we do, but I'm sure Arsha's got a, more of an opinion than me on him. Um, I'm quite happy with what we've got, but I'm what do I know? But maybe not now. My thinking is we'll probably. Yeah, you're like a. Season. Oh, you mean like um when the the, the older players maybe Gareth, I guess Felipe's probably had his day, yeah, hasn't he? Scott really. Bolly uh, as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, actually, I've talked myself around. Yeah, we do need him. Yeah, it's whether you believe the reports. Um, I think they were in in the well, they might have been in the Telegraph actually that the the club are going to be looking to move on. Um, McKenna um, and and Felipe, I'm not, I would, it'd be an, an awful wager to take because I wouldn't want to take it, but I would wager that you're probably not going to see him in a forest shirt again. I don't know. We see him in training quite a lot. There you go, Greg. <laughs> you know, we see him in training a lot, but, you know, he's not making the match day squads. And when he is there, he's the guy that's there geeing everyone up pre-game and in his civvies. So I don't know about that, but just going to Nino, like he's not someone that's been massively on my radar, but I obviously watched the Copa Libertadores final um, on Saturday night or whatever it was. Again, he's someone who looks very solid. He was their captain. He's, you know, he's the guy in the, in the tunnel, you know, doing the come on boys, that kind of stuff. You know, he looked very solid. Um, I, I don't know, without having seen a full Brazilian season, um, I, I don't really know a lot, and from what I gather, he's you know he's sort of slowly breaking his way into the Brazilian team. But that's probably got a lot to do with his club manager is the interim Brazil manager. Mm. So you know it might be a little bit of a you know favour for the boys, but 
I'm sure he's good. I trust our recruitment team. I trust uh, Thomas Federspiel, who's out there doing all this scouting. He's delivered some gems. You know, we're talking about how do we fit Danilo into the team? You know, so if you're talking about getting a squad together, I, I trust that guy and I trust the recruitment that's going on over there. It'd be nice for them to get a striker. Could you give us a striker? Yeah. Give us like a winger or something like that. You know, we've got a lot of defenders. Please, sir, can we have a striker? Yeah. Who's in the Brazil team? True. Uh, let's carry on centre-halves, actually. They're all centre-halves questions, but uh, this one from Dan, who's uh, not unreasonably the chairman of the Willy Bolly Appreciation Society on this podcast. Uh, is one good game from Nia Kate enough to keep Bolly out of the side, given Nia Kate's past strange decisions? I mean, Emily, Nia Kate, he does have, you know, an, a gaff in him. But similarly, I think if we can just get a run of games out of him, he can stay injury-free. He's, he's an athlete and a yeah, leader. And I feel he's a key man. Yeah, and I also would say that that little time out of the side has probably done him wonders. And I totally agree with you. Bolly has been faultless, but Bolly can't run with the ball like Neocarte can. He's not quite got the athleticism that Neocarte's got. I feel like Neocarte's got another string to his bow on top of Bolly. Um, that's not saying that I would pick Neocarte over Bolly. That's, um, I kind of think, it's much of a muchness. But personally, I just think Neocarte's got a little bit more in his locker. And yeah, he does have a mistake and he does make strange decisions, but the best players are a little bit. Sorry, my dog's going mad again. I'm just going to go and... Put it out nicely. Don't like kick it or something. Yes. Um, uh, let's stay on defenders. They're all defenders. We'll move to fullback. Um, what's Nico's role in the size? He looked good as ever, as, as good as he ever has on Sunday and solid for Wales as well. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one, Arthur, isn't it? Because we've got so many fullbacks, but Nico keeps making decent cameos. But I suppose the question is, is he on the level of Aina, Aurier, Montiel, who we forget about, and Toff's done really well as well? Well, there was talk that um, Nico Williams might have gone out um, on loan to Leeds for the start of the season. I don't know how true that is, but I didn't like seeing that. I think as a squad player at the moment, he's... Because uh, you've got to remember, we've got to. Ha- at some point, when we add all this kind of talent, at some point, you've got to acknowledge that it's a squad thing. You know, not everyone's going to have the minutes that they would like, but we need them. Mm. And I feel like Nico's in that kind of uh, category. He did come on, he did very well, but uh, you know, he's a right-sided player. Is he getting in in front of Olaena? Is he getting in in front of Serge Aurier? On the left, is he getting in ahead of Toffolo at the moment? No. So it's great to have him as a versatile player. He's very, very useful. And he's still young. Remember that he's still a young player. Hmm. So, I, But by the season's end, he will definitely have an opportunity. The way our injury department's going, I don't know what's going on there. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to have any kind of fix. Uh, you could sort of get anyone and it doesn't seem to, to help anything at the moment. So I think with our injury record, he definitely will have a chance and uh, I think he will deliver. I suppose the question is, Emily, it's kind of minutes versus presence in our squad. He could go on loan in the Championship and play every game uh, and potentially come back a better player. Or do you keep him for 15, 20-minute cameos in the Premier League and he could keep learning there? It's an interesting conundrum for Cooper, isn't it? 
It, it really is. And I agree with Arsha. He, he has got potential. He is still young. And actually, he showed what he can do in the last 10, 15 minutes against Villa. And remember, with all the extra injury time we're getting this season, we're going to need players like that for, for slightly longer than just a five minute cameo. It could be sort of 20 minutes or so. And because of the extra injury time, we're going to pick up more injuries. You've noticed with, um, you know, all the even the top sides are, are, are losing lots of players through injury. So, you know, this is the Premier League. We need a squad. We don't just need a starting eleven and and five subs. We need a squad. So if I, f- I feel like Nico, he seems happy with what he's doing, um, and I think he'd benefit more from playing in the Premier League with us for them some cameos than going off to a Championship team. I, re- I really like him. I know he gets a lot of stick, but he's still young. And like Arsha said, he, he's so versatile. He can play on either side, and he always puts a shift in. Uh, last shout for questions. We'll probably be here for five more minutes or so. So if anyone wants to drop any in. I mean, if, if they all want to be about defenders, that's fine because they all seem to be. And this is an interesting one from Greg, continuing the theme. i completely forgotten about Nuno Tavares actually playing for us. Um, I mean, could we send him back into Arsenal, uh, Arsha? I imagine that would cost us money, breaking the loan. But um, he's not He's not getting a look in at the moment either, is he? It still just feels like an absolutely odd signing i still don't quite understand i don't know if there was some sort of collective amnesia over his i've forgotten how sorry to interrupt i've forgotten how much you hated the signing of tavares no it's not hated it's just i don't understand the thinking behind it i understand the thinking if it's pre-arsenal and he's still in portugal because he had a bit of a wonder kid you know tack but i don't understand the signing post him being in your backyard and showing you a side to his personality. Yes, everybody has so many different sides to their personality, but as a first impression, and I know first impressions like count, it just, it's just never sat well, the signing of him. And I don't know, like I'm obviously holding on to his stint at Marseille, he was very attacking. He looked like he could be a very kind of Steve Cooper player. But I would just like to know who decided that that was the way to go. I don't know. There might be FFP involved. It might have been a, it's quick. We need someone on loan. Who can we get? Okay, this guy. I don't know. I just don't understand the thinking behind I mean, I forgot that we had him. Even when we were just talking then about uh, Nico Williams, and I said, Nico Williams, is he getting in front of Toffolo? No. And then I was like, who's the other guy? I I actually thought that in my head. I was like, there is another guy. I can't remember. I think the problem is, Emily, that all the signings, all the way we're built now is to play two two centre-halves, which means he's got to play left-back, and he's a wing-back, really, isn't he? I think it's difficult. To me, it's difficult to see Tavares getting in. But then, you know, Nikase came in and Bolly, who's been brilliant, was left out. And now it looks like he's got the shirt, but I'm struggling to see it myself. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he was a bit of a panic buy. Was, well, not a panic buy, a panic loan. Um, because at the time we didn't know, I don't think we truly realised Topolo's potential. Um, and I think Ina was originally bought as a, obviously his, his right back is his, his preferred position. So it was kind of, we'd lost Lottie and it, it felt like, it was all we could get really but I can't see him getting into our side unless we have significant injuries on the left side Mm. um no disrespect to him but I just think we've we've moved on even in this short space of time we've we've moved on so I'd be I'd be surprised to see him um Mm. playing for us 
Um, this is an interesting topic around AFCON. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of players. I need to do some research. Arsh is the man who does this kind of research. I don't think we would lose players for three to four games. I think it's they'd have to all make the final. I think it's mm. like we might lose a few for two, that kind think, of thing. I think we've got we've got the most players potentially out in the Premier League, but you're, you're absolutely yeah. right, potentially. But the way the way the fixtures work, I, I don't think it's as bad as people are, are making out. But Arsha will know no, more than me. It isn't. Mr. I don't know. No, I, I'm not. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Mr. I, the first episode I ever did with Matt, I said I hated stats. Um, (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i don't think it's as bad as everyone's making out like honestly there would be a premier league wide panic if if that was the case i think this is heavily predicated on uh, a lot of these players getting deep into the competition and if that happens then yeah fine we'll have a few gaps to to fill but honestly i think everybody's kind of blowing this out of proportion yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll we'll do some I'll do some research around it, but I think we might lose quite a few players for one game. But we've got a squad, so I'm not not panicking. I mean, every team like it's Liverpool the same. losing Mo Salah yeah. and Mo Salah, Salah, yeah, exactly. And they'll know this as well. You know, they, they'll be planning ahead. Cooper will know that whichever game that will be, right? Okay, we set up we set up in this way. We that's yeah. why we have a squad. We do, we do, and we do need like a bit like Tyro is the Viking back Tyro, but we need Chris Wood or someone to be able to fill that position. But I confidently, yeah, confident yeah it's January. Are. It'll be January as well, so there'll be some faces coming in, I'm sure. Yeah, and Olorane and not getting called up by Nigeria would be nice, and and stuff like that. There are fringe concerns, but I don't think it's quite the 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 panic. Right, let's try and take um, one or two more, just quickly on strikers. Um, uh, I can answer this quickly. We should put all our values in a basket and go for Ivan Tony in January. I mean, I'd love to sign Ivan Tony, but I think he's going to Arsenal. Um, I just think that's that'd be amazing, but unrealistic. I think we need to sign. We need to sign Ivan Tony, the next Ivan Tony or Ivan Tony. Yeah. We need a, yeah. We need a wonder kid. That's what we're yeah. missing. Yeah. You know, we're going. Yeah. We're shopping in Brazil, and we're sort of not looking for the for the next wonder kid. It'd be nice to yeah. have someone who you know you've got in reserve. Uh, on the sort of theme, we're short of options up front. Danilo or Yates up there? I've seen people say Murillo up there as well. Um, no, I, don't I hate this that. suggestion. I've said, no offense to David, I've seen quite a few people saying it. I mean, I would just play a striker up there. Any, you know, Origi hasn't done a lot, but when he's fit, I'd just play anyone uh, above being that out. Like Langer tried his best at Anfield, but you can mm. see he's not a number nine. If you want to talk about. Yeah, if you want to talk about repurposing one of those players, I know everybody seems to have a, a fetish to talk about and ask questions about centre back. I'd stick Yatesy back there. Yeah, uh, I like there, that was an experiment. <clears throat> excuse me, in the championship, I know that was the championship, but you know because he was put back there, wasn't he? And I thought he looked great. You know, he yeah. sort of had enough defensive uh, qualities, but also he was okay with the ball. You know, playing playing it out. You know. A shorter distance or whatever. I don't know. You know, that's. I just want to keep Yates. I just want him to stay forever. Just please find something for him to do. Please make him useful. He's such a important person. Uh, I think this will be our last question, continuing the theme of strikers. I mean, Bruce asked, "Are we signing a striker in January?" But more specifically, Emily, would you send Origi back? It'd be a bit of a damning indictment of our loans if we send Tavares and Origi back, but. I, I, I feel like Origi's not really had a chance yet, has he? Um, it's, he's been really unfortunate with with an injury. Um, so I, I would, 
I would be less likely to send Origi back and more likely to send Tavares back if we were going to send one of them back. But I don't think we've seen I don't think we've seen enough of Origi. I, I feel sorry for him because he's come here to play some football and he's not playing football. And actually, the last few weeks would have been the perfect opportunity with Taiwo's injury. But fingers crossed, Taiwo stays fit. And I mean, signing a striker in January as well. I mean, but who do we sign? Who's available? You know, Ivan Tony in Dreamland would be fantastic. Has he got a younger brother or cousin or someone that? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we if we were to sign a striker, I'd send Origi back. The question yeah. is, who can we get? Like, get exactly, can, this is the problem. Be some Brazilian kid that we're going to sign, yeah. probably. But thinking around the Premier League. The fact uh, that the top clubs are fighting over Ivan Tony tells you everything, doesn't it? You know, even the, you know, we talked about earlier the fact that strikers are becoming less and less important and you've got the more attacking midfielders. So I just, who's available? Yeah, I mean, I, I would be brutal here and, and I would say, yes, send Origi back. But only because, and I know this is quickly becoming my catchphrase, I watch a lot of Serie A. <laughs> um, but knowing, knowing what the Italian uh, media, how they reacted to Divo, they, they reserve special, especially the Milanese press, they, they reserve special ire for Divo Origi because he's basically seen as the guy who got Paolo Maldini sacked for Milan mm. because Paolo Maldini decided that instead of going for, you know, other players that were offered to him, you know, they were looking at players like Skamaka and guys like that, you know, previously, he thought it would be a good bet to get Divock Origi in on a free. And he then proceeded to do absolutely nothing in his appearances for Milan and then just spent the rest of the time injured. So it was an odd one when I saw Forrest in for him, but then I read all the stuff that was in the Milanese press and they, it was basically a party. They were like, yes, you know, we've got, we've got him off the books. He's got a huge, um, cause obviously they didn't pay a transfer fee for him. So that uh, finds its way into his wages that obviously inflates those. So he was on a massive wage as well. And obviously there's this option that if he, you know, performs well or whatever, we, we keep him. But it sounds like, or from what I've read or whatever, it sounds like he's definitely someone they're, they're thinking about, you know, cutting ties with. Because out of the two strikers we were linked with on that kind of crazy deadline, Michi Batshuayi and Divock Origi, I think, I think it's pretty obvious which one you would go for. Yeah. There you go, well, Dan. They, yeah, well, they they went for the they went for Origi over Batshuayi, so maybe Batshuayi is officially offended is, not to sign now. If that is the case, it might not it might not have been the case. I don't know, because again, I don't know who's making that decision. But that's not a decision for me. If you look at Origi's last few seasons, don't look at his Liverpool days. And even in his Liverpool days, he wasn't particularly a volume striker. He was someone who would score important goals. Yes, he had an amazing chant. I'd go and find that on YouTube. That was uh, that they they sort of serenaded him with, but he was always sort of that guy. He was, you know, he's not Firmino, he's not whoever else they had at that time. He was the guy that would come on and sometimes score an important goal. So obviously they love him, but if you look at his body of work over the last few seasons, I don't understand why you would go for him over Batshuayi. So that feels to me like it was a Batshuayi deal didn't happen. Let's mm -hmm. get Origi because if you look at Batshuayi, he's he's doing he's doing well. You know, yes, he's in the Turkish league or whatever, and I know a lot of people seem to kind of really look down on the Turkish league. But he's scoring goals. He's playing games. You know, you'd, you'd go for that. And if he did want to come to Forest, and if he did want to come back to the Premier League, 
you know, you'd, you'd go for him. So I don't understand the Origi signing either. I'd definitely get shot of him. This is not a Chris Wood situation. Chris Wood has come good. That one's looked, that one looked, oh, we've paid 15 million for Chris Wood. And now looking at the, what, the striker landscape in the Premier League, that's all right, actually. I know I can't believe I'm actually saying that. But that money and the way he's sort of coming in and doing a job, it's, it's kind of all right. This is not that situation. Definitely, I would, if you could, get rid of... No, sorry, get rid, that's awful. I would... Um, Offload? Usher out of the door, um, politely, T. Bokarigi. Uh, I'll sweep up the last few quickly because we've done plenty of time. A couple of people mentioning Shay Adams. Not quite for me, but I can see them merit as a third-choice striker. Uh, Broger at Chelsea was someone they wanted to sign uh, at the start injured, of last season. And couldn't get him, uh, and I don't think they get him now because no, well, they've got Jackson, they've got Unkunku, but I think he's moved above alone. Good player, though. I'd love, yeah, I'd definitely take that. And um, oh, I was going to say this is an out there name, but a player I quite like for next season as a third choice striker would, would be Carlton Morris. He sort of fits the yeah. way we play. Yeah, great shout. Yeah. Get the ball into, not yeah. necessarily as a starter, but a bench option. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a goal scorer. You know, he's gonna he's gonna get the old ball in the onion bag, isn't he? Yeah, good penalty taker as well. If we exactly. Yeah, he's which I still feel we don't really have. No, well, we've got Montiel, but he can't get on the pitch, and I'm not sure we'll see that. Oh much my god, I either. forgot about him. Yeah, so again, it's a bit worrying. <laughs> we said that twice about players yeah. today. <laughs> I completely forgot. Imagine about him. saying that the World Cup winner, and we're like, who? Yeah. Who? <laughs> I know, playing for Forest. I know, after some of the joss we saw over the years. Wow. Right, um, we shall leave it there. Thanks for all the questions and comments. Very much appreciated. Good to have you with us uh, on a pretty, I'm going to say dreary. It's actually quite sunny Thursday morning. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to review the game with, uh, who's doing Are you doing it, Emily? My, no, I'm not doing it. Mikey? It Mikey and Temps. I know, you're the boss. I've been so disorganised this week. Like, so I feel like Mikey's, Mikey's definitely going to the game, so I think he's he's on. Uh, it's Mikey and Temps and David Pratton, I think. Just yeah, showing how disorganised I am. <laughs> it's been a, a proper scramble this week. But, yeah, these guys have bailed me out as well. Right, uh, talking of those guys, Emily, thank you very much. Thank you. Asha, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, good to have everyone with us. Have a good few days and we shall see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.